Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and the D's have recorded a 3-0 and start to the season for the first time since the year 2021. Isn't it great not to have to be ticking off milestones for a while? Having said that, the Demons and Jake Bowie are now on a 10-game winning streak. Only 10 more to beat the club's 19-game winning streak, set between 1955 and 1956. Joining me tonight, long-time Demon Lander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening to Binman. Good evening to all our listeners. Three zip. Uh, so are we heading the same way as we uh, did in, in 2021? And the big question is, with four of last year's uh, finalists in the bottom seven, is our draw all that hard? ahead of us now. I, I was thinking about that. Uh, well, I was having a look at uh, the ladder and I was thinking, oh, geez, we haven't played anyone yet. Um, and uh, maybe, we, uh, maybe we're going to have a good draw after all. Um, also joining us uh, tonight, B-Man. Good evening, B-Man. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. And I thought for a second, Andy, you're going to give us like the time capsule, like the Beatles were number one. <laughs> oh, hold on, no. 2021, no, they weren't. <laughs> it was, like it was a Netflix's sl- biggest hit was, I oh, know, was it even then? It was like- it's a slight dig to a lot of my mates who are Carlton supporters who obviously do not listen to this uh, program anyway, but they're all up and saying, oh, the last time we were 3-0, it was 1995 and we won the premiership and and I was giving him a bit of stick for that, and then I remembered I was saying the same thing last year. So. <laughs> yeah, our, uh, it won't be it won't be quite as exciting on Demonland ticking off the, um, you know, the breaking those embarrassing records. There's not too many left of them. There's either. there's barely any left. Maybe back to back. Maybe yeah, er- erasing that uh, the the record of the highest winning margin against us. Uh, there's not much left. Not much left. Uh, Before we get into uh, my brief overview of the match, I just want to announce that this Wednesday night we'll be interviewing former Demon and current Premiership assistant coach Adam Uze, so look out for that special edition of the Demon Land podcast. I can't wait. There's so much about his current role that I want to ask him about, and then there's his playing career to reminisce about. Uh, You guys excited about that? Absolutely. What a get. When did you find that out? When did the, the club contact yeah, you? Yeah, that's uh, today. today. Um, so I originally wanted to get a player on, but I'm quite happy to have Uze who ticks both boxes, player and coach. So it's always good to sort of get the coaches and their perspective and particularly after a premiership. Absolutely, and he's uh, he's a pretty cool, calm, collected fella. And um, I've heard him interviewed a few times, a handful of times recently, a week or so ago on the um, club's website. And, uh, yeah, he's really considered and thoughtful and um, seems like a, a terrific get for an interview. Look forward to it. Um, so uh, let's get into this uh, match uh, review. Uh, I went to the game, uh, to, into this game, believing that it was a danger game for us. Uh, the Bombers, after being touted as premiership contenders, were staring down their worst start to a season in 55 years. And the D's were coming off a hard-fought interstate trip in sapping humidity. And we were coming into the match almost unchanged off a six-day break to add insult to injury or, or should I say, insult to the health and safety protocols just hours before 
the game uh, before game time, we learned that our premiership spearhead, big, bad, bustling Benny Brown, otherwise known as BBBBB, has uh, has to pull out of the match after discovering that he's a COVID close contact. Uh, he was replaced by Sam Wiedemann, who would be under pressure to perform on the big stage. And as you can imagine, my nerves about this match being a danger game, they go completely into overdrive. And during the first quarter, that anxiousness was replaced by frustration because the match could have and probably should have been well and truly over by quarter time. We dominated the quarter, but we could not get any reward for the efforts um, and put on some scoreboard pressure. Our yips in front of goals, uh, that was a hallmark of some of the 2021 season, uh, has well and truly uh, returned from half-time in the Gold Coast match until nine minutes into the third quarter of the Essendon match, we kicked seven goals, 19. Um, although I should say that in fairness, and to add some balance uh, to this discussion, uh, from that point on, we did kick 10 goals, five. Uh, but back to the inaccuracy, you, you really can't afford to let teams have a sniff when you're dominating play and the inside 50 count, which in the end was 66 to 39, uh, and you're not putting teams away, you open yourself up to giving teams a sniff. And as we know, momentum can easily shift. And if you let the opposition get on a roll, like we did let them get six out of seven goals through the middle of the match, they and then they did snatch the lead, you can be heading for a defeat. However, thankfully, this premiership team uh, can withstand a challenge, unlike its predecessors who I won't mention ever again, might have squandered the opportunity. Um, and this team does not get rattled. They can reset, they can wrestle momentum uh, back their way and then cruise to victory, which we did to the tune of five goals. So all's well that ends well. Um, and just before I get your comments, um, I thought whilst being tagged as heavily as his knee was bandaged, uh, our Norm Smith medalist and already twice BOG in 2022, Christian Petrarca, he was held to 21 possessions, but the Bombers would soon find out uh, that when you rob Peter to pay Paul, you forget about Oliver, who starred with uh, 38 disposals, 18 contested, 8 marks, 8 clearances, 15 inside 50s, 9 score involvements, and an ominous and demon-appropriate 666 metres gained. Uh, tracks draft buddy Angus Brayshaw. He also starred on the night and he hit the record books where he's now equal 12th on the all-time most marks in a match uh, with 20 marks. Uh, an incredible effort. Um, it's just four marks shy of the record of 24 held by Demon Greg Park in 1970, uh, also against Essendon. Uh, Gus also raked up 34 possessions on the night. George do you have any general comments uh, before B-Man goes into his dissertation on how we used uh, control to manage the game? Uh, no, I think we'll talk about all those things a bit later, but just on Petrarca's knee, uh, which mm. could well become a, a topic of conversation. I'm reminded when watching uh, Goodwin on his uh, pod, on his um, interviews and media uh, sites when he says this, his knee's absolutely 100%. I've got visions of Pinocchio at, the, at that particular time. That That's the biggest bandage I've ever seen him wearing, and he, he wasn't... Um, quite right in this game. Let's hope that he does recover and there's not too much damage there. There was a picture that he uh, that he posted uh, uh, in the pre-season of him wearing some brace on his knee 
uh, that looked like Darth Vader or something. It had all these attachments on it and he had some remote control to it and I found out that it's something to do with blood flow and rig- I don't, I don't, didn't understand it all, but uh, yeah, there's obviously some concerns, but he seems to still be able to play and I don't think that's the reason why at the quiet night he was effectively sort of tagged um, bid man. Yeah, there was... I reckon he was a bit flat. I reckon the whole team was a bit flat. The six-day break and the humidity definitely played a factor in, in the way we played that game. And um, um, But, yeah, Oliver was incredible, wasn't he? And Gus, I think that's his best game of footy at the, um, that I've seen him play. Um, you know, there's probably not too many of those numbers were padded. And he's, I think, uh, did you mention, your, I can't, uh, 20 marks as well? Yes, I did but, mention yeah, the record, yes. It's like, close to some sort of record and um, yeah, yeah, I thought he was terrific but um, I mean it's interesting you mentioned the control, what I wanted to talk about in the tactics just briefly was sort of four games quickly the analogy that we used a few times last year was basketball was a sort of analogy that could apply to um, the way we play footy and the importance of pacing and um, and the other one was rowing that idea of being able to up the rating and um, put teams away and I think that's something we do that sort of surge football um, that we that we've got that ability to do and um, there's a few clubs now that it, it's everyone's sort of uh, all the teams bar Hawthorne probably the, um, that are sort of on the rise and people are talking about Collingwood, Carlton um, and um, uh, who's the, the third one? So Collingwood and Carlton um, are, are bringing this pressure game to to the fore and territory and the way to think about that I think is the sort of wet weather footy, an analogy of wet weather footy is, you know, you get distance and then you try to trap it down and keep it down your end and that's what Melbourne and Masters um, about. It was really interesting about the um, inside 50s in this match that was so out of whack that Goodwin talked about in his presser that he was happy it was how the game, what they wanted to look, which was lots of inside 50s, but then trapping it in there. So that sort of model that we borrowed from Richmond um, then and sort of put our twist on it really now is, um, you know, everyone's favourite um, style of game. Uh, Geelong is the other team I was thinking of who have introduced this territory um, game to their you know, ter- territory and win the contest ahead of the ball. Back yourself in. Um, they're playing a lot more direct as a result. I think the, the thing for me that's interesting um, that we've got we've got that as well. That I think we've got a big advantage on those other clubs and they're going to take two or three years to catch up or 18 months to catch up is our control of tempo. We talked a few times already about momentum and we're really good at holding teams and, and making it difficult for them to score when they have the momentum. Um, um, this was, again, a bit of a, a glitch on that. Um, uh, so that was a bit of a worry. Um, we're really good at taking advantage of periods in the matches when we get momentum. Um, um, uh, in those other matches, the the, the uh, Collingwood game, um, the Cats uh, had that momentum. Uh, sorry, the, the Pies had the momentum. That swung hard the other way. Um, Carlton Hawthorne as well. Um, you know, we're really good at minimising the damage. And the analogy that, um, you know, the sport probably I love most other than footy is horse racing. And the analogy I think that we're bringing to it is, is in horse racing. When, um, you know, assuming the track is um, there's no bias, 
the way most uh, sort of the good horses will get to the front and control tempo. So when when you get a leader winning a um, horse race, it's generally if the track's okay, it's because they've controlled the tempo. And Melbourne have become brilliant at controlling the tempo. So it's not just slowing the game down when we're under a bit of pressure. Um, it's surging stopping so in a horse race they'll often do that they'll get to the lead control the tempo they'll accelerate a little bit and then they'll drop it the speed right back and that makes it super hard for horses behind um, to get into a rhythm Um, and horses that like to come from the back statistically don't win near as often as the ones that sit up the front for um, a whole range of reasons but tempo being one of them in England they address that by sending horses forward to create a truly run race Melbourne play a really similar way. We get to a lead and then we hold that lead and then we really take the moment, the speed out of the game and control the speed. Um, And I think it's something that we seem to be really, really focused on this year um, and introducing, and you've heard Goody talk about it, we don't need to score, um, was his comment first week and he sort of touched on a little bit about the fact that we're happy to have so many inside 50s. Uh, And we did it to Essendon and when we need to surge, we, we can. Um, and the problem for the opposition is in, in order to get back into the game, um, if they're behind, is to go faster. That's the way to go. But as soon as uh, Essendon did that in the match, we the game opened up in that third quarter. They missed a target. Um, I think it was Redmond, and I forget who we missed it to, but he coughed it over. We got the goal back to Harms, the short kick into Harms and Harms gold. That turned the match. Even though the, the score went back and forward for a little while, um, suddenly it opened up because they went aggressive, but we were in control of the tempo again. And then once we got back in control, we stopped it. So the other games, Carlton um, jumped out of the blocks. Melbourne at that point would have slowed the game right down and made it really difficult for Hawthorne to get back into that match. Ironically, Hawthorne did. They slowed it down and then they were able to get the momentum. So my concern for for Carlton, who I think they've got the closest defensive system to us, is their inability to control that tempo. They shouldn't have allowed Hawthorne back into that game. Similarly, uh, in the Pies game, um, they they 30-point lead at three-quarter time, the Cats come out, fired up, had been terrible on contested ball the whole match. They score the first couple of goals. Melbourne in that moment would not have tried to score more, whereas Collingwood kept on going fast the way they'd gone the whole match. Okay, got them to a 30-point lead. They kept on trying to go fast. Melbourne would have taken the heat out of that game, and it's not as simple as just saying, we'll take the heat out just for that moment. They would have used the tempo to make suddenly five, six minutes goes past. It gets down to 18, but they never slowed it down and they got rolled over the top. Um, and, you know, that, that's, I think that the, the advantage we've got at the moment is our ability to not just score when we've got momentum, not just hold oppositions from scoring, but actually like that analogy of the horse racing, control the tempo of the whole match. Um, and what, I'd be really interested to ask Uze on Wednesday um, about that, how that plays out over the whole season. Because I think a real challenge for the Collingwoods and for uh, even for the Cats um, and for the Blues is that physical style that everyone's playing now, that there's the sort of go-to style that's incredibly taxing. Um, our model is incredibly taxing as well. I think that tempo style has the advantage within the match of frustrating the opposition and, and being the, the team that actually controls how 
how the game looks. Goodwin talks about that a lot, about the game looked how we want it to look. I think partly that's what he's talking about. Um, but I think over a sweep of a full season, you can't spend all your um, tickets. Uh, and I think that that sort of control will mean that um, hopefully we're not you know, each individual game is not as taxing as it otherwise would have been. And then come finals, that tempo, we up the tempo. And that's exactly what happened in the last six or seven matches of last year's season, including the grand final, is we didn't need to worry about surging too often. We surged and then we got back. And I'm, and I'm wondering whether that control or the momentum or tempo of the match is a factor in that question you asked last week, um, Andy, about the team's sort of getting a run on against us. Maybe that's when we've throttled it back a little bit and we've allowed that it's, our pressure drops a little bit, but we've gone a bit into a defensive mode where we're trying to control the tempo and that creates an opportunity for the opposition to come in and say, again, maybe that's what happened in the Essendon game. Um, but as you say, once, we, once they did go fast, we were able to control the tempo because we could then decide whether we go slow or not. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's an interesting thing to watch. And I think it's the sort of thing that takes three, four years to put in place, which is why I'm really bullish about where we are in um, in terms of relation to other clubs. Um, you know, Brisbane are the one people are talking about. So they're probably in the same, you know, they're probably a year ahead of us in development. So, um, but definitely ahead of the, the Collingwoods and the, um, certainly Collingwoods and Carlton for that matter. Not sure how tactical Uze will get in his answers. They, I'm sure there's stuff that they want to keep close to their chest, and rightly so. Uh, but, yeah, I guess we can ask the question. <laughs> George, do you have anything to add? No, no nothing really. Um, we'll just um, motor on. I think I'll be able to back end a little bit of what Bidman said with a few of the observations um, about the team's performance and individual's performance. Fantastic. We'll move on to uh, some positives. Uh, my positive this week is the performance of Sam Wiedemann. Uh, when the news broke that Big Benny Brown was going to be a late out after going into health and safety protocols, uh, many a Demon fan was nervous about the prospect of him being replaced by Sam. And let's be honest, Sam's past performances haven't set the world alight. There have been some exceptions, including the incredible elimination final against the Cats where he kicked three goals. Some people were perplexed that Sam was even named an emergency at selection for the match, given his meagre offerings in Casey's massive win uh, last week that saw Mitch Brown kick seven and uh, rookie Jacob Van Ruin kick three. Um uh, given that Weed has been training as a relief ruckman all summer, it did make sense to have him as the emergency as he can easily cover multiple positions as relief, including key forward and ruck, as well as allowing someone like T-Mac to go back if it's a key back that's a late out. So I can understand the selection there. Uh, having said that, I thought Sam performed extremely uh, well on the night on top of a career-high four goals, three behinds. In his 50th match, where he notched up his 50th goal, uh, Sam has taken seven marks. Uh, George, having read your match report, you weren't as glowing in your appraisal of his performance, noting that he was outbodied a number of times in contests. Yeah, I, I think you've got to be very careful with Sam. We got exactly what we've seen from Sam before. Um, he can look spectacular, but he's not going to get away with that style of play against other pl other teams. Um, he's... Excellent marks um, uh, were all where he's able to run at the ball unimpeded. 
Um, when he when he has to, when he has the body on body with him, he gets too easily pushed under the ball or pushed out of the contest. So uh, we get to it's great that he's um, performed that well. Uh, one of those goals was, of course, the old Joe the Goose out the back. So there's nothing uh, wrong he, with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. But I could do that as well. <laughs> well, um, where are you? You're sitting in but, the stands. <laughs> but yeah, you, you've got to you've got to be very. Uh, tempered about what he's bringing to the side. Um, I don't think he can replace big Bren, Ben Brown. We'll talk about that later on in the thing. Uh, can he perform the same role in the same side with T-Mac in there? I'm not sure. So we can only wait and see. Um, he's the one who's got to be able to produce it consistently, and that's the whole point. Um, it's no use doing it for one one game. Well, let's talk about this now. B-Man, uh, if Big bad Benny Brown is back this week uh, after not being able to train and he'll only be able to travel on the day of the match. Does Weed hold his spot? Uh, If so, do we go three tolls in the forward line or does T-Mac make way? What's uh, what's your feeling on what will happen at selection table if Ben Brown is is able to play? So let's say Ben Brown does go in. I've got a feeling that uh, yeah, let's say Ben Brown plays, but I have a feeling they won't select him. But I don't know why. I mean, if he's, he's ready, I guess they'll play him. So let's say he's going to play. The, the the question, I think, you know, we know that Goodwin doesn't make changes to winning sides out of turn. That's, you know, that's a, the way he's been consistently doing it for a, for a long time now. Um, the sort of caveat to that is that obviously injury. Um, and then the other caveat is that the, the must-select players um, who come back in will always come back in, won't they? So when Lever's fit, he'll come back in. And so when he comes in, Tomlinson's likely to come out. Ben Brown is in that category. I'd say him, you know, at the moment we've got Salem out of the team, Ben Brown out of the team, Lever out of the team. Um, uh, Petty? And, um, and Petty out of the team. And I think all four fit that category. And there's probably only 10 to 11 players who do, and they're four of them. All four will come back in. So Ben Brown comes back in and Tall's got to come out. So it's um, Wiedemann or T-Mac. And for me, the question um, is, you know, T-Mac's been statistically down. Um, you know, he was his weakness in this match, I thought, was that he didn't do what he's generally pretty good at and bring the ball to get ground. They probably, I don't know what the numbers were in, in terms of, but they, they had at least half a dozen intercept marks down back, I think, or at least four or five. Yeah, they took quite a few uh, good marks. Yeah, three that, yeah. against him, which is unusual. But the question that you don't see, we and we don't know, we don't have the numbers, it's harder to assess um, and, um, you know, I guess if watching at the ground is a bit easier and I couldn't get to this Again, Bim Man, you're going to take that membership hat off. CG on the weekend, but just not for the <laughs> Friday night game, so for the wonderful effort by the women on the Saturday. It's the sort of thing you can't see on the television, so you guys are better placed to be able to answer the question. Is the man of running that T-Mac does. His role is to get up and down the ground, is to, to provide an outlet kick from the halfback flank, to mark it at 70 metres out and get it deep, to make a contest. Um, you know, the, So the question is, I think, can T-Mac, as can um, uh, we play that role? Does he have the tank to get up and grip down the ground? Um, if the answer is yes, then you know maybe he's fortunate and he's he's got his window of opportunity and it's open. Um, you know, I 
it's interesting that they did choose to to select him because in many ways Brown, um, Mitch Brown was the obvious one, and I bet Mitch Brown would have preferred to get selected than get knocked cold in um, against um, the, the Bombers. So, um, you know, I, I think um, T Mac will get selected is um, because he's played his role. Um, you know, he didn't have a great game on the weekend uh, on those numbers and probably hasn't had a great game, although he had a good game in the first week going back. Um, so, you know, there's nothing to suggest that he's not playing his role. So I think the other maxim for Goodwin is he, he, he's loath to make changes to winning teams and he won't change players who are playing their role. He's, if you hear him in the presser, he's pretty consistent. You know, player X played his role. You know, anyone who's asked about, it's the first thing he answers to any question about how a player for, performs is whether he's played his role or not. Um, and so the question at selection will be simply that, I think. Uh, and if that means Weed um, gets dropped off the back of a four goal, mm. uh, you know, then so be it. And I think the context, though, that's important for that is for people might jump up and down about, well, you know, that's not rewarding performance. Well, you know, that, Mitch Brown kicked seven goals and Wiedemann had a bloody mare the night before, the week before in the VFL. So if, if you're going to be consistent on rewarding performance, well, then Mitch Brown should have come in as the leading forward than, um, than uh, Wiedemann. Yeah, but I explained why Wiedemann was selected as an emergency. He does cover more roles, including that ruck, if we have Gorn or, 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 yeah. Gorn and or Jackson yeah, yeah, go into true. health and safety protocols. We need a guy yeah. who's been playing or training as a relief ruck so yeah no, that's he, true. he does cover more positions including allowing t-mac to go in defense yeah. and him coming in so i i can understand that uh, george uh, i know we're not in ins and outs yet but i thought it's relevant to talk about this now um yeah is your isn't, selection. It ni- isn't nice the position that we're in that we've got <laughs> options available to us you know other clubs would be going yeah he comes in straight away there's no question about it we, we're concerned about the the um uh, excess of talent that we've got available in the in these areas. Um, I'm glad I'm not on the on the selection uh, panel this week because they're going to. We've got the same problem down back as we've got yeah, up forward. We'll talk about uh, that one later. The, yeah. um, the, the other consider, consideration with Brown is, um, and other t- teams, Goodwin alluded to it in his presser today as well, is that um, because of the COVID protocols, Brown actually hasn't been able to train or be with the group the earliest he can um, uh, contact the group is actually on game day. Mm. Um, so um, if you're in the coaching team, you go, uh, well, he might be in good condition. Is he ready to play, not having um, trained in any way since, since uh, well, seven days ago um, or anything that was dis- even discussed with the group in, in the last you know, five to six days. So um, it's a great dilemma, uh, but it's also a difficult dilemma for the club. So we can only wait and see. The other wrinkle in the onion a little bit is that Wiedemann's best position is the lead up forward. And that's the same um, role that Ben Brown plays. Um, Ben Brown gets up the ground a lot too. And I know that um, Wiedemann's probably, he's looking as fit as I've ever seen him. I know he's had a great preseason. They've been training him as the sort of relief ruckman. So maybe he's got his tank up to the, the level, but that's the, he's a, He's at his best leading out. I think we talked about that, didn't we? He's sort of yeah. hands out in front, taking those marks. Yeah. That's yeah. where he's at his best, um, not in the one-on-one sort of um, grappling. And just a, just another thing about Tommy Mack, I watched the replay, uh, or the, uh, half of it, and a couple of his goals um, came from Tommy Mack um, blocking. 
And that's what Tom McDonald's does, and that's the sort of role play. You don't get anything for that. You don't even get probably a one percenter on the stats sheet for that. Um, but his first goal was purely because, well, it was enabled because Tom McDonald um, didn't fly for it. Um, he he sort of went up with a half effort to not get give the free kick away, and um, you know creates space. And that's what he that's the role he plays for Ben Brown as well. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which rain they pull. Yeah, I um, I think I good both Goodwin and Hardwick were a bit um, they're sort of questioning their health and safety protocols uh, whether they need to continue and and sort of come into line with the rest of society. I guess if you you know only having to isolate if you uh, have symptoms, um, so I guess that might be looked at uh, at the AFL because uh, well, that's not the case yet in Victoria though, is it? No. Yes, yeah, so I don't know what good ones on about there. Isn't so, I thought I thought from April first, or have they changed that? Uh, that I if think unless that might you're be a close first co- joke, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you you're only a close contact. Well, I thought as, the close as far contact as I know, way. it's seven days for a close contact. And there was talk about it changing, but yeah, oh, okay, and, so uh, it didn't change. Yana, yeah, Yana Pulford came out today and said it's not changing uh, from the state government, but the. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the yeah. Can it's, someone it's break that to my wife? The other thing that that um, sits in the background is that the uh, uh, the state governments di- um, did a lot of work in the background with the AFL to make sure that the AFL played on last year to everybody's benefit and uh, they're a little bit owing to the state government so they don't need people making commentary about state government decisions <laughs> in the media. So both Hardwick and Goodwin probably got a, uh, a, a quiet text from um, uh, Jill, uh, Jill McLaughlin this afternoon. So uh, I wonder with Ben Brown whether they might use the cover of the COVID, so to speak. They, uh, it sounds a bit sort of... Um, spy, spy, well, but the um, to give him an out and to not make a change and say, look, he hasn't had the opportunity. We're going to keep him in yeah. Melbourne yeah. Um, because then it then it sort of delays the thing for one week, but it gives Weed another opportunity and maybe you know um, put some pressure on Tom McDonald as well. Yeah, All right, we'll move on uh, from that, uh, George. Your positives, say, uh, talk about uh, the systems and the Wingers Club, or. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about the systems in in yeah. particular. Um, the um, there was another comment. I'd really encourage people to listen to Goodwin's media, uh, both after the game and uh, during the week. You pick up snippets in there, which really give you some insight into what the the club and the players and the coaches are really thinking. And this week, he he made this very small comment: if we play that way, we grind teams down. It was all about the systems in place and, and the way that it's played. Now, let, let's face it, this, this side was really flat this week. And, and as Bin Man said before, it's on the back of a, a six-day break and also the Gold Coast. I don't think people understand how sapping that game was because of the humidity. Uh, and Gold Coast really took it up to us, yet we still managed to get over the line. But it really would have drained the players. They were exhausted at the end of that match. So it's not surprising that, you know, right across the ground, there were a whole series of players who simply didn't turn up on the night. <laughs> they were just running on air. You know, even Neil Bullen, who runs all night, managed the grand total of ten possessions. Um, that's not his his game. 
Um, other players barely got a touch, it would seem. All the hard-running players really suffered in this game. So the system's held up, and these systems are still holding up, despite the fact that we're still missing the Levers and, and the Petties and the Hibberts and the Salems in the back line. So um, they only scored 70 points, which was just a little bit more than our average giveaway of 60-odd points, I think 60 to 64 points. So everything that we did held up really well. That was a real for me. That was a real sharp contrast to what Eston was putting up. Um, I didn't detect any real systems in place there. They're, they're one of these young developing teams that's got a lot of talent, but it's all individual work that's going on. There's not much not much teamwork effort going going into the way they play. Um, they've certainly got the the players. So you'd have to ask why Rutten hasn't introduced those sort of systems to a young team in the same way that Goodwin has introduced them into our team. Um, I, I kept noticing, for example, even though the, um, we talked about this last year in particular, um, contested possessions out of the middle or clearances out of the middle. Every time we were getting them, it goes forward. Every every single time I saw an Essendon player come out of the, the middle, the ball went to the half-forward flank. It didn't come out cleanly. That's because of our systems stopping them um, doing that sort of stuff. The back line, we've talked about again and again, and I think there were some beautiful examples of a, of a system falling apart in the uh, Richmond-St um, Kilda game this week. Um, everyone went and wet their pants over the performance of Ben King up forward. He kicked five goals, I think, something ridiculous in the last quarter. Not one of those goals occurred after Dylan Grimes went off, and the whole Richmond back line fell apart. They only got one kick at goal and that was in with, I think it was Bolton with 18 seconds to go and you scored a goal. But their whole system fell apart because they took away that vital cog in the system. Their, their systems have been severely depleted over the years and they've only got the remnants left over from their premierships. But for us, our systems are holding up and we've got people to back them up. You know, we, we've got people fighting for places. You know, Where do we put Tomlinson? Where do we put um, Smith, you know, uh, where do we put Hibbert? Where do we put these other players when they come back and are available? So, um, yeah, really impressed with the systems that we've got that are holding up really well across the whole ground. Just on the heat, um, the other uh, the Gold Coast against Giants similarly looked completely spent. They were just they were a complete shell of the team. They were. Um, against the D's though they, they never got out of first gear in that match and again I think it's to you know the factor of that humidity yeah definitely um big man you want to uh talk about uh I've got here Gus and who do you tag conundrum that other teams face uh with us well the real positive for me was was Gus? I, I just thought it was a fantastic game I, I know that um Oliver got the the highlights but I thought, you know, I was really curious about the role um, um, Gus was playing from the looking at the television. He seemed to be halfback flanker, but George, you were saying that he was uh, where he was still playing wing, but dropping back or starting at six 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 in the halfback flank. Or well, he wasn't yeah. starting on the wing. That was uh, Jordan. Yeah. yeah, they they he'd start in the six 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 back in the at the halfback flank, but he was certainly playing the winger role now. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, and I'd encourage Demon, Demon Landers to uh, have a look at the next game as to the setup. Um, uh, the coach, uh, Goodwin's mentioned a couple of times in his media conferences talking about the back seven. Now, now 
how that's being done is obviously by dropping someone like ba- uh, uh, Brayshaw back into the back line at times, but I'm not quite sure how it's working. I've only noticed it in the in the last two games. Um, so uh, I don't know whether that enables, for example, Jordan to come on the ground and play as an extra mid. Uh, Brayshaw can certainly play as an extra mid, but he's sitting at, at yeah, the half-back line. Um, but in... Not as a mid, but as a pseudo mid sort of thing. Mm. Uh, um, I just can't wa- quite work out what's going on with the placements. But he he's, he stands at the half back flank uh, uh, at the six 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 situation. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure that that's a pure half back flanker role at all. But he must have played like almost in some respects a traditional half back flanker because often he was on the same side of the ground as um, Langdon. So yeah. Yeah. Um, either way, he's. I thought his positioning was fantastic. Um, he's, you know, his twenty marks were, you know, not all. Some of them were, you know, chips. But you know, he read the ball well. He's got his hands have been great this year. Um, I thought his leadership was was fantastic, and um, he was, you know, he also is a way, you know, in some respects, filled the role that Lever does in keeping the shape down back and. Mm-hmm. Telling people where to stand and being that central player, um, particularly because May was dragged back deep and starting in the square against um, Wright, and so I, I thought his leadership was fantastic. His kicking was was solid. Uh, I love it when he's kicking off his um, left foot as well. Um, I, I think the best game he's played for the club, and um, you know he was every bit as influential as Oliver. As I mean, Oliver was brilliant, and Oliver has been so terrific last season and this season at getting depth off his kicking and he's sort of his first go-to now is to kick long when he gets the chance. But, yeah, I thought um, uh, Gus was every bit as uh, influential and I'll be really interested to see what the coaches vote, um, uh, what votes he gets for that. They were released today. Oh, Oliver got the 10. Um, oh, here they are. Just bear with me. Oh, they bring it up. Um. Oliver 10, Brayshaw 8, uh, Wiedemann 4, Wright 4, Langdon 4. Right. So that, I mean, that's probably a good a good spread. But Gus, eight, you know, I wonder if he's ever got 8 before when the last time. But, yeah, I, I just thought it was a terrific game. And on the positive side, the conundrum of, you know, the opposition's face is that, you know, I'm, I'm with George. There's no way that um, Petrarca wasn't sort of at least a bit proppy or, I mean, you know, I think Goodwin's interesting, George. You're right. If he's now an interesting combination in his presses of some really interesting revealing comments about our thinking and our strategy. So, for instance, his comment that, we're, you know, we were happy to have as many, ins- you know, even missing shots because we had so many inside 50s and that's how they want to play because then they trap it trap it down there but then you know in the next breath he says track is track was okay you know he probably was okay but he was definitely feeling it but also he mentioned in that presser that the way they used him was um interesting so he played a slightly defensive role and maybe that was clever you know but the opposition have to work out well what do you do do you to put a player to um um oliver and track gets off the chain or vice versa um both so damaging in slightly different ways, you know, Oliver is just incredible when the ball hits the ground. Um, and just as a sort of continuing thread from positives is uh, our sort of props to uh, um, Viney as well. He's been his best start to the season, I think, for his best start to a season for 
probably in his career. He, he looks really good. He's running over the ground well um, and his kicking has been terrific, as we talked about last week. He's making good decisions, not going for too much. He hit up some nice targets um, uh, on his left foot. Um, so when you've got him playing at a higher level and you've got Viney, uh, sorry, um, Track and Oliver, you know, that you're spoiled for riches and you can also throw Viney onto one of their more damaging um, players or as we seem to, um, as Goodwin seemed to be suggesting, uh, you can, you know, mix and match and have um, Petrarca playing a more defensive role. Um, having said all that, the um, Petrarca goal in the first quarter, I think it was, was, was it the first quarter he kicked that goal was just pure class, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. Just he's, a, he's such a good footballer that, you know, we're, we really are blessed to have you know, that quality of um, players right through the team. But, you know, certainly in my time of following the Ds, there's probably nothing that comes close to that midfield. And then you have someone like Harms uh, who kicks, who bobs up for two goals, I thought, uh, had a good game too. One of- yeah, had a really good game. Mm-hmm. And just while just on Gus is that he really reminded me um, on Friday night of one of my all-time favourite players in the way he moved but also his sort of influence on the game. Um, he really reminded me of Glenn Lovett, that um, sort of that um, physical um, dependable, goes back with a flight, gets gets wins his hard balls, um, and you know he would have come. He, he that was a pretty big hit he um, cop last week, Brayshaw, and I know he's okay, but still, you know he didn't get in the head, which is great. But you know he would have felt, in addition to all of the humidity and just being tired from the previous week and the six day break, he would have you know been pretty sore and um, come up from it. So. Um, let's move on to uh, some areas of improvement. I was extremely uh, disappointed with the crowd size uh, for a marquee game on a Friday night. Uh, the weather conditions were not an impediment, despite a little bit of drizzle. Um, and I get that COVID is still an issue, keeping away a section of, of people from attending crowded events and getting on crowded public transport. However, 45,000 people for two Victorian teams on a Friday night is very, very poor. Uh, When you consider Geelong, Collingwood on Saturday night attracted 53,000. Carlton Hawthorne on Sunday afternoon attracted 66,000. And, you know, look, they're all teams that are travelling very well at the moment. And I don't, but I don't buy that Essendon fans are staying away as a result of the 0-2 start to the season. It's too early to jump off the bandwagon yet, maybe from next week. Um, so who didn't turn up? Uh, can either of you guys guess to the crowd split? I would be manual there. Uh, but but I, f- I find it hard to, I find it hard to judge uh, based on the roar after a goal because to me the Essendon roar sounded louder but I don't know if that is as a result of me being on the opposite side of the crowd ground. I don't know how the acoustics work in in the MCG. Um, perhaps when you're amongst the cheering of your own goals, uh, you don't get the full effect of how loud uh, your section of the crowd is. Uh, in any event, I was bitterly disappointed. We're the reigning premiers. Uh, we, if we want to be taken seriously in the AFL world, we want to be given mar- marquee games and marquee time slots, then we need our supporters uh, to get off their asses and uh, get to games. Otherwise, we'll be watching Carlton every Friday night. Um, but George, uh, do you have any idea what you think the split might have been from the crowd? My, my guess uh, would be 50-50. Mm. Um, uh, 
So is that uh, disappointing certainly. then, for Melbourne's point of view? Um, yes and no. Um, uh, you can always expect always expect a reasonable crowd to turn up for Essendon. In any case, they've got a, a sizable membership, mm. which and and um, they play a good number of games at the MCG. The MCC members' um, statistics about which team they support are almost identical, I think, Melbourne to Essendon. So um, I suspect the split was exactly that, 50-50 over, over that side of the ground. And there was there, the, 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 um, on the southern side of the ground, there was an awful lot of uh, seats in the public areas that were occupied by Essendon people. So... The numbers, I th- it's, it's difficult to judge. Um, uh, I think the Carlton-Hawthorne game, I'd be interested to know how many Carlton supporters are there. I suspect of the 66,000, there are probably 50,000 Carlton yeah, supporters. They're, they're up and about. <laughs> yeah, they, they are up and about because you know, they've got hope and aspiration yeah. at the moment. Uh, so that's not surprising. Um, I think overall the numbers are down and, the, and that was yeah. proven in the first round. Um, people... There's a lot of people still out there, um, not us mad idiots, um, who will go to the game under any circumstances. Well, not been man. <laughs> not been man. <laughs> um, but there's, there are a good number of people who are still concerned, particularly the older supporters, still concerned about COVID. And it is out, still out there in the community and mm. you, you really don't want to get it. So yeah. going, going to a, a, a crowded situation isn't the most desirable. Um, so um, look, the, the target that the club set was to get an average of 50,000 at home games. Um, well, uh, we're at that now. About. We're, at, we're yeah. at that now. So um, we can build on that in the future, um, but we can't expect everything to suddenly turn around in the space of one year after winning a premiership. It takes it takes years and years of consistent performances to get your crowds up. Well, we've got our record membership now, 55,000 yeah. so far and, and – Possibly should climb a little bit from that. Hopefully, we can get another five thousand, but we'll get close to sixty. Yeah, I, I think Andy, the metrics change. So, I mean, Geelong, um, Collingwood, Collingwood are up and about. You yeah. know, they, they were shooting for their third win. Geelong have won their. You know, they're looking good, and they've got a big supporter base. They only got fifty three thousand on a perfect day of the MCG. Friday night, cold. I think the you know. I, I just think that everyone's got to reset, including the AFL. That's the messaging they should, you know, they want big crowds, but people, as George said, it's just, you know, you're getting 10,000 COVID cases a day. People aren't going to want to go to the footy. Um, and But there's also the practicality on any given day of this 10,000 people contracting COVID. Well, that's maybe 100,000 people who are suddenly, or 50,000 people who yeah, are in isolation they've just discovered and can't go to the footy like me in the first uh, round. So that's going to always have a, a fa- um, be a factor, I think. So I think that, you know, that if at all this season the numbers won't get back to where they might have been historically till to, to near the end of the season when, you know, maybe we're in spring and, and the COVID cases have, have gone down. So I just think that, you know, I think things have changed with that, um, you know, and it's everyone's got KO, I guess, or sort of access. And if you're umming and ahhing and, you know, you end up yep. staying home. So I just think that's the way, the I, way of the world. I, I, had, I was busting uh, just before three-quarter time, busting for the bathroom and ran in and I, there was this guy sitting on the couches in the area behind where I am uh, watching the game on KO. <laughs> 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 so, it's on right out there. 
Right. <laughs> he must have been a bit cold. Yeah, uh, the other thing that might be a consideration, and particularly for Friday night's games, is the city's devoid of office workers at the yeah. moment. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And will be for a long time. I heard something like you know, only 15% of, of offices are occupied in the city. It's just, just yeah. incredible. So people who used to go to work, go after That's work, a have a couple of beers and head to the game no matter who was playing – they're just not there, and that's the difference between you know maybe another two to five thousand people coming through the gate. Yeah, I guess totally, mu- neutral yeah, exactly. supporters, neutral yeah. supporters staying away. Yeah. Except, but that. also then you've got if you're not already in the city and you're coming from home, maybe you don't want to get the train in, and and so you know that's a that's a really good point. I've um, been working back in the city a couple of days a week, and it is yeah, it's it's a changed place, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, George. Uh, you wanted uh, you got uh, goal kicking and hunt and A and B. We talked a bit about goal kicking, so unless there's anything else you want to add, you can. Yeah, that's it sounds like beating a broken <laughs> drum in this case, isn't it? Um, Andy Andy uh, covered most of it in uh, in the introduction. It's it's just the same again um, when we've got the opportunity to really put sides away, particularly in the first quarter. Um, this week, I counted five set shot misses. Uh, now, only one of those, which was Fritch's, was from the 50-metre line. Everything else was inside 50. And Counted, pretty in the and, corridor. Yeah, yep, so. yep. 25 metres out in front, Wiedemann missed. It's just um, – and, and the other ones were sort of, again, 25 to 30-metre shots and, and missed. If we get those five, instead of being three goals, five in the first quarter or eight, go- Game's eight goals, one, <laughs> sort of, and the game is over. Yeah, absolutely, completely over. Um even then, we, we sort of struggled on a bit. Um, we were we were four goals. Uh, we, we were actually four goals ten until Harms kicked these two two goals to put us back in front and keep us in front. But four goals ten. It's 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 going to come back and bite you unless we can improve this. I don't know what what um, can be done about it. It's just the set shot, the sh- set shot kicking. Um, I, I I just don't know what what. What can be done about it? Um, but if it improves, if if we kick accurately like we did in the grand final, we saw what we're capable mm. of. We just yeah. blow teams away completely. Um, but if we continue with this, we're going to open the opportunities for some t- team at some some point. I think the yeah. rest of our kicking has improved, as in mm. in, in field mm. kicking. So field kicking is yeah. much much better. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'd like to see that. Um, uh, one sec, B-Man, you want, did you want to add yeah. anything there? Oh, I did. Yeah, it's frustrating. I could, you know, it's, we missed some dead easy ones this week yeah. and it was like, you know, they went through a patch. You think, well, Wright's gone back and slotted oh, it. He was, he was kicking everything. And until that last one. So, yeah. you know, like if we kick, I mean, like I was saying with my sort of horse raising analogy, our ability to, to get in front, then surge is incredible. Like I like that's probably the most exciting thing about watching um, the D's these days is that when we decide to click it up a bit and 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 surge and increase our our rating, you know we can be devastating. Um, but that's where we, if we're accurate, we can be super devastating. So we take full advantages of those five six minutes where they consciously seem to go harder, 
um, then, you know, I don't think any team can stick with us in that period. So, But you've got to kick them, don't you? You've got to put them through, as we did in the end. So we came good in the end and we kicked pretty accurately near the end of the game and suddenly we get out to a 30-point lead so or 30-point win. So There's the not 19 points as you had in your um, match report. You gave us a haircut there. Yeah. <laughs> There's the accuracy police uh, on their yeah, way. That's, right. <laughs> that's good that somebody's reading it. Yeah, someone pulled me up on that on social media. Oh, I, I didn't dob you in. <laughs> just, uh, it was a typo. Typo, though. That's always the way. If you make a mistake, typo, sorry. Yeah. Just before Autocorrect. George um, finishes up his negative, I, I might jump in with my negative because I think, George, you speak to this point that um, – I thought the negative was... Uh, they're improvements, not negative. We're uh, well, to be, sorry, an improvement, that's right. Sorry, Andy, that's trying to be positive no, here. There's no prize for fourth. Is the, um, None. Uh, the improvement was that they um, they seemed to flood back, apparently. I couldn't see that on the thing you guys all have seen into the ground, but they, which I thought was really unusual. I mean, I, I thought Essendon were putting in place a system... George, which is why I had them on the rise, but they seemed to default to a very defensive mindset right from the get-go and made it flooded back, made it really hard for us um, to clag up our forward line, which is not the mentality of a of a winning sort of team, but I guess that's also a function of fearing going down three zip against the juggernaut. But um, is they scored fifty percent of the times they went inside fifty, um, and that was the response to. Um, what Goody said, he was asked that question, and that was when he said, well, we're happy with the number of inside 50 because of how we want to play, which was a funny answer to that question because it mm. doesn't quite, they're not quite the same things. But I think that's definitely an improvement. I mean, that was unusually high. They scored 70 points for a team that was pretty defensive for the whole match. They got to 70 points, which is you know above that 60-point threshold that we like to keep teams under. 50% is a pretty high rating, you know, a better team with those things when we lose that match. Um, and then sort of a related bit was the space that um, Wright had to lead into. And I know, George, that you were going to... Um, I thought that was unusual. That looked funny. And Gus played a, a role and no lever. That's the thing about having lever and Petty in the team. They take turns zoning off and filling that space and making it really difficult. But it really stuck it stood out a few t- a couple of those leads were pretty much straight up the ground where he had a big pocket of space to, to move into. Um, so, yeah, that, that that was one sort of improvement. And, again, the issue that you flagged was six out of seven goals again. So, um, sorry, George, for, I just knew that you were sort of going to touch on them. So, Go, Take it away, George. Yeah, we'll, t- we'll bring this out next week um, when we talk about zone defence. Um, and I think what Bin Man observed was – the same as at, at the ground. It wasn't just right. Stringer also got a couple of opportunities doing exactly the same thing, leading uh, leading into these gaps which were left. Now, the problem that I saw was that people like Hunt and Neil Bullen um, weren't playing zone defence. They were guarding grass or trying to guard a player. And um, a couple of times you'll notice on the replay, they're looking sideways at where did right come from. Mm. Well, he just runs straight past you because you should be standing off your man to deny him when if, if the ball was going to be kicked to him, but also to, to deny the corridor. Um, that didn't happen on the Bowie side, for example. <laughs> it's it's all about your placement and learning how to play in a zone defence in exactly the same way as um, you do in basketball. You have to move. You don't stand still. 
um, you have to be you have to cover your teammates, and in a couple of cases, um, I'm afraid Jaden's um, let players get far too loose, and this week it was not not covering off the space in front of the leading forward. So um, when we talk about who might go out next week, I think we've got a couple of uh, we've certainly got one candidate I think who might find himself on the outer. Yeah. We'll talk about that one later. I thought he had a good, pretty good game, actually, honey. I take your point. I mean, I think that's his. Yeah, I, I take your point, but I, I do think that it was showed a bit. Um, finally, having our back, you know, two, three of our stars out of our defensive back half, mm. um, that's got to be a factor. And Nibbler, I mean, it's a bit tough on him. I mean, at one point, I thought he could have gone back in the hole, but he would have got smashed. Yeah, um, but that, but that's that's the job. They, yeah. But they won't kick it into the hole if you're standing there. Yeah, that's, but that's the whole. I mean, point. I think yeah. you know, you bring Salem, Petty, and Lever back in. Yeah, because um, they, they know where to place themselves and, yeah, and stop yeah. that opportunity being being created. And the yeah. other thing that uh, the fan, you know, the fans in the in the crowds look, oh, they uh, come out and say, oh, May had a terrible game. There's nothing you can do about a, a player who's. You know, leading into uncontested space, no backman can stop that sort of thing. It's a it's a zone defence. It means that everybody has to pull their weight. Um, uh, May's role is completely different. It's not to stop a leading forward. That's the job of the guys who are sitting out at the half forward line. And on Stephen, on May, he had um in the first quarter when really again we could have been you know. What was it? It's three five at the end of that quarter. Easily could have been five two. You know, we could have put the game to bed as you suggested. Uh, he was fantastic in that quarter. He had ten disposals, ninety percent um, disposal efficiency, and took a fantastic contested mark. So, um, you know, yeah, as you say, Wright got him on the lead a couple of times, but you leave a channel to for a forward to run into, and, and you know, you're not going to. Same with Benny Brown. No one's going to stop. Or Wiedemann, for that matter. He got a mark, his mark on the lead, which was a magnificent uh, drilling kick from Oliver. Yep. Um, had a huge opening lane in front of him, which, you know, the Essendon defensive coach would have been bemoaning exactly the same thing we were just talking about. It's how, in modern footy, it's so rare for forwards to have sort of an extended lane to when when it's not a 6-6-6 situation. So, mm. um, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, about fifty percent, fifty-two percent. I think it was for disposals inside fifty. That's um, uh, sorry for inside fifties. That's that's high. So um, you know, I think we've we've done well, but um, looking forward to when Petty gets back in the side, Lever gets back in yeah. the side, and the Salo's back. So. All right, um, let's go talk um, uh, as we head into the ins and outs. We'll, we'll quickly go on to the Casey game. I didn't get to watch it uh, this week. I was watching my nephew debut, debut for his senior in the Seniors for his club. But I was following along the scores and uh, had my heart in my mouth uh, praying for the full-time indicator to tick over. Uh, in the lead-up to the match, Casey lost uh, most of its goal-kicking. Arsenal in Wiedemann, Van Ruin, and then Brown cops a knock early and he's out for the rest of the match. Uh, Casey ended up holding off the Bombers by three points in a nail-biter. Bimman, uh, did you watch it? I watched the first quarter, which is on. You can now watch it on demand, yep. which is terrific. So um, I watched the first quarter uh, and I, <laughs> the two commentators were... Um, 
something else. <laughs> I actually thought that the um, the commentators were pretty good on the weekend, but maybe that was because I caught a bit of that, that commentary. But um, I picked up uh, a couple of guys from the Eston Cheer Squad. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought uh, Howes looked, he moved super well. So the the rumours of his ascent was obviously well off the mark. So um, I don't think he'll come in either. Um, I really like the way Dawes going about his footy. Um, you know, I know that he's not coming in until um, until so the touch would unless there's a injury to someone. But you know his attitude. Other one was Melksham took a couple of big hits, tackled hard. He looked like a he looked like someone who's playing with a level of intensity. I'm not sure how. So I only watched the first quarter, so I'm not sure how that panned out. I know from the numbers, he only finished with seven, didn't he? Sorry? He only finished with seven touches or something. Oh, did he? Well, it must have all yeah. been in that, right? Yeah. Um, the one that had the big numbers was Oscar Baker. Had a good mm. um, game off the halfback flank, where it would seem. So did you see the game, George? No, I just watched the first quarter and, uh, like like you, but, uh, looked through the stats to see. Uh, but, yeah, Oscar Baker led, led the way um, for the team in terms of disposals. So um, it'll be interesting to see how good they were. Mm. Well, it doesn't seem like anyone uh, will be uh, from the twos will be getting a game yet. Um, so Bedford was impressive from the Bedford Bedford played well, well yeah. uh, again from just looking at the stats. Yeah. So yeah. well, he's more likely uh, to come in as a as a medical sub, I would say at the moment. Yeah, he was a medical sub, wasn't he? Again, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he will be again. You'd think. Hmm. And so uh, ins and outs. Uh, look, Goody has indicated in uh, the at the presser at the end of the match. He indicated both Brown and Lever would be available this week. We've spoken about Brown, but I guess Lever uh, is the other one to talk about if he is available this week. And who knows? Because every week it just seems to get pushed back. But I can only take Goody on his word to say Lever is available this week. Uh, now, that Lever being available throws up another conundrum, uh, this time in our back half. Uh, both Tomlinson and Smith have been impressive. Viman, um, uh, you mentioned that Lever's one of those guys who's a walk-up straight in. So who makes way for the All-Australian Premiership defender in Lever? I don't think Lever will come back in. I'm not sure sort of Goody was on a bit of a tear there, but like <laughs> the, he was still a couple of weeks away in the injury report. Last week, I can't see. I don't think Lever will play. Yeah, it was one to two um, weeks down. last week. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's. I don't think he will play, but if he does, Tomlinson will come out. I'm sure of it. I mean, Smith has done everything asked of him, and what, but you know, to, I think getting back to to your comment, uh, um, George, about that sort of defensive hole. Part of the issue is Tomlinson is is a one on one player and he's not zoning off the way even Smith is or certainly Petty. Um, Smith is so much more athletic than mm. Tomo at the moment, um, and that's super important in his own defence because sometimes you, you you're going to get caught out and you need to get across to a contest or to block up a hole or to stop a leading lane. And if you're you know if you're 30, 40 metres away, the only gonna, way you're going to get to some of those contests is you've got the wheels to get there. Um, and um, I thought Tomo did some okay things. He got outmarked a few times last week, I thought, against the Suns, even though I thought he had a good game and he, he did some serviceable things. But he's a shoulder-to-shoulder defender um, and um, Smith is um, a much more sort of aggressive ability to zone off and he get, got up the ground a, a lot more. I think he gets up and down and he's got that leap. A few times he gets over the top of packs and just smashes it, spikes it over the... 
um, over the boundary line. It's sort of a range of combination of skill sets that Tomo can't match. And I think that so Tomo is the logical one out for Lever when um, when Lever does come back in. But to be honest, I'd be surprised if Lever plays this week. I, I think we just have to take uh, Goody at his word because he's basically said he's available and coming back this week. But um, uh, I agree, Smith, I, uh, there, I don't see any possibility that he's going to be dropped out. He he gets to contest that others just would not get to, which when you're playing a zone defence is absolutely critical. Um, you've got to come off your man, like Lever does so beautifully. Yeah. Um, you've got to come off your man to get to the contest or to intercept, and, and Smith does that brilliantly. Um, like I said, the... Um, Hunt's the one that I think has got a real cloud over him. There's a number of players who can play that type of role if needed. Um, that um, you know, Jordan, for example, would be another one that could slot down there if needed. Um, Bowie's got the other side well and truly locked up. Um, but uh, Jaden had a, a nightmare the previous week and I don't think he embellished his case this week. No, I, I thought he played all right. I mean, he, he he's best when he's running and carrying, I think. So it's playing to his strengths. So you know, I, I think he's if he plays at that level, he's in till either Hibbo or Salo comes back. I think so. Um, I I can't say it's not good his mo to change to make an unnecessary change down there. He will say quite rightfully, well, he's part of a backline that's you know been every bit as as miserly as last year's back um, backline. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I, I thought he did a couple of nice things, but taking a point about his defensive positioning. On the injury front, Andy, I got um, you know, schooled by Weber during the week on the uh, realities of <laughs> well, <laughs> difficulty that... being accurate. With, so I've completely changed my tune. So I've gone off Essendon being a, a team on the rise. I've definitely, you know, I'm all, all aboard the Carlton Express. <laughs> Hawthorne, who I bagged, they're on the thing. Oh, and I make a lot of comment about injuries and um, I get shot down there by someone who's obviously more qualified than my vibe energy. So I um, like I, I like what was suggested is is that instead of giving the the length, the one to two, because as we've seen with Petty, he was three to four six weeks ago and he's now just come yeah. down to two to three. And I, I bet you he's two to three again when we later in the week or whenever we see the, the thing again, the, you know, or just, but I like the suggestion that was made that I think Richmond do is call it short-term, medium-term, long-term, yeah. intermediate. Um, I think that sort of – that might be better for someone like you. But then again, even that is subject to, to someone being on the medium-term or the short-term for long-term. So. No, I reckon then the other – I think it was our, our PFC was – um, suggestion and it was that combined with um, uh, what was the name? Combined with which group they're training in. So are they in the rehab group? Are mm. they back with the main training, or are they they're doing their own thing and whatever? To me, if those two bits of information would be enough. That's all I'd need in order to feel have some ability to make my own assessment of where they are on that path back to the team. Um, at the moment, it's all over the shop. So. Well, you'll be happy to know Pickett Fence was at training today and he said Petty was training with the main group and didn't look hampered yep. by any injury. So he was listed last cool. week as two to three, yep. which means now he's one to two maybe. Um, 
and but training unhampered. It's been going down to training, but I, I would prefer a more sophisticated reporting <laughs> from the club about likelihood of players coming back. Oh, that's good. That is very good news. While I just while I meant I meant to say this last week, while I mentioned weather, um, I got one of I was a proud owner of one of his uh, trip techs. I think is that how you say it? Um, one of the painting of the photo, uh, print of the photo of. Um, uh, of Gorney picking up, no, of Viney picking up yep. Gorney and Gus is in there somewhere too, wrapped around there. So it's a brilliant picture and I finally got it uh, home and um, it's been brilliantly framed and I shout out to Hang Up. Um, I got it framed on the way down to the Casey game and Hang Up down at Fountain Gate. Um, done a magnificent job. It looks absolutely magnificent um, and I'm just about to hang it in, in the TV room for all the games I have to watch out and can't get to the game but yeah it just looks fantastic so when, I, when I've got it on the wall I'll put a picture on Demon Land and as I say Hang Up did a fantastic job framing it um, and it just looks magnificent so Hang Up of course is um, owned by Demon Land's own Joe Boy am I correct? And uh, yeah yep, correct found, yeah. found a gay free plug uh, or actually you can pay us for that one <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bin Man, I'd uh, trust Demonland track walk, uh, watches over anything that comes out through the media or even from the club about injuries. <laughs> yeah, right. and all power. He's, uh, pick offences reports have been super, super entertaining and yeah. good on him too. Yeah, but when, when players are back training with the main group, when they haven't got the uh, uh, pink or green jackets on um, indicating they've got some sort of injury, um, you can be sure that they're not all that far away. I think the only thing that would hold any of these, both Lever and uh, Petty at the moment, is about their conditioning, uh, whether yeah. up, up yeah. and ready to go. So, um, Well, uh, Lever did do a full pre-season. He only sort of got yeah. injured just on the eve of the season. Uh, Petty was a few weeks before the season started, but uh, yeah. would have done most of a pre-season. Um, yep. All right, let's uh, get on to our opposition watch. Uh, you know, when I see a highly touted premiership hope sitting at 0-3 with the prospect of a season-ending 0-4 start, I understandably get very nervous. Uh, George, are we simply playing a bottom four team that will easily account for and send them packing for season 22? Or are we stepping into the dragon's den poking the belly of a wounded beast who is ready to strike their first blood for the year. We are definitely playing a bottom four <laughs> side. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Whether they deserve it at the moment after three rounds, we're yet to find out. Um, look, I think Port, Port are in a, a world of pain, um, uh, mainly because I think of their, their playing list. They're, they've been dependent on successful outcomes for a number of years from uh, this older group of players that they've got, the um, Robbie Grays, the uh, Bokes, um, um, and a whole stack of other ones who have been get, who have highly talented player, but they're just not players, but they're just not on the ground at the moment uh, and not having the same sort of effect. The other real thing that's affecting them at the moment is their injuries. They're missing Charlie Dixon up forward. Is he there back is, this week? No. He is a oh, test. test. Uh, uh, no, uh, who knows with injuries? <laughs> so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, but he, he's he's a test and has been for some while. Um, so I don't know how the Port Adelaide supporters would, would agree with uh, Bin Man's uh, ideas about dates. So they're in a, a, better, a worse situation perhaps than what we are. Uh, yeah, Charlie Dixon's out, may come back this week. Robbie Gray is exactly the same, a test. Um, 
he's you know uh, one of their major major performers up forward. They, they had no Aaliyah Aaliyah. He's out for another five to four to five weeks. Um, no Mitch Cleary, who's their fullback. Um, no Orazio Fantasia, who's an, again another um, small forward match winner for uh, this. Their fullback uh, last week, Skinner, um, was injured with an ankle injury and was subbed out in the, on the in the third quarter. So you can see they're missing fullbacks, mm. full forwards, um, uh, a lot of. Um, good players around the ground that they've depended on for a number of years. Um, they're just not available. So short of some miracles occurring prior to Thursday night, um, they're going to be in the same situation. They were playing Adelaide this week. Adelaide have got an appalling list, absolutely appalling. And yet they managed to, to roll them to get over the top. Um, so yes, Porter in a, um, a world of pain. Um, I, can't see them getting up up sufficiently, particularly after losing that game. I think they'll be scarred by that game uh, in the same way that um, we've damaged the Bulldogs and and probably a few other teams on the way to our premiership. Um, I don't have a great deal of time for Ken Hinckley. I saw him do some awful things with the team last year. Uh, there were obviously things that needed to be changed on game day and he did nothing. Um, so, but there will be plenty of ports fans probably agreeing with me on the on that line. Um, he re, his job is really on the line at this stage. Um, I'm not worried about the wounded beast. It's, it's just the amount of the lack of talent that they've got on the field, and we've got a with without without a decent back line, they're not going to be able to hold our forward line. Todd Marshall kicked five goals for them last week. Up forward, that's one player who Stephen May will account for very, very easily um, on his own, regardless of anybody else. So um, they're going to really struggle to get a, a score on the board that's going to get them over the line. Just a couple of things to add to that, George. The, I reckon there's a couple of really big, big flashing red lights, alarms, whatever. You, I just now need the, the alarm to come past for the, <laughs> for the uh, effects uh, at, at port. And two things is that they defensively they're quite a strong under Hinkley they've been quite a strong footy team um you know they they've considered to have a good defense but not a, they haven't got a good defensive system their defense is their ability to play tough man on man footy um and they never really have developed that sort of zone defence and particularly the one Melbourne have done with that, the way it's so fluid. And so they haven't got that, um, but they've, they've been pretty good defensively, a bit like GWS. They play good man-on-man footy when they're on, but the two flashing bits of sort of, or the flashing light concerns I'd have is poor because they both paint the point to the same problem, which is not so much a lack of talent, but a drop, a significant drop in effort because any defensive system Modern footy requires all team all players to be switched on and doing a lot of running, a lot of disciplined running. Um, is that they're they're like number eighteen or something in the league for scores conceded from the back half. Hawthorne yeah. just destroyed them from the back half in a number that actually is a really rare number um, now. Is most clubs you know like Melbourne, we're incredibly difficult for teams to transition and move it down the ground. Uh, we set up so well ahead of the ball, as Richo keeps saying, and behind the ball. And um, But, you know, Hawthorne the week before were like a you know knife through butter. That was, to me, that's a lack of, um, you know, that's a real lack of defensive gut running, which speaks to a, a, a mind thing. And then defensively, 
Like last week, even at the end of that game, they were leaving, speaking of lanes, they were leaving all sorts of spaces back there, which means that their, their, their half-back flankers, their half-forward flankers, their mids weren't pushing back hard, which again is a, um, you know, in a crucial must-win game, you can't go down three-zip, is that speaks to their heads not quite in the game. Um, you know, that's an effort-based thing. I take your point about the, the who they have on the park, but... You know, with a reasonable effort level, they should have won that game. They, I watched the second half. They were in control of it. Um, they they missed, you know, that was a good example, Andy, of the, the problems of missing um, gettable shots at goal. Uh, that's what cost them in the end. Um, they, they should have put that game to bed. But I'd be really worried if I was Port fans because their intensity is down. And the other one is for under Hinkley. I mean, again, as I talked about, at the top, the big thing at the moment is contested footy. You know, everyone, Collingwood, number one contested footy in the AFL at the moment. Um, and you can see it on the ground. It's infectious. Port of midfield, mid-table now. Yeah. Like a top four um, contender isn't mid-table in contested ball differential. So that, again, speaks to a, you know, psychological sort of thing. The question I'd have if I was a fan is, are we up for the fight? And the answer at 3-zip would have to be not. And what a horror for them to come back to be playing Melbourne. Melbourne will be psyched for this match, not that we aren't for any match, but, you know, I think that there'll be games where we'll, you know, I'll be interested to see whether there will be games where we don't play as much tempo footy and we look to surge and put teams away. And and for I get the feeling there are a couple of clubs that we don't like and Port's one of them. So maybe we'll surge in this game and, and put them to, to bed for good. Yes, I hope so. Um, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Um, uh, we, uh, our women's team, uh, into their first ever AFLW grand final. Uh, the Demons made history in the first AFLW match uh, played at the MCG, and after a slow start, they were very impressive and took a nice lead before almost squandering it and fighting it out until the final siren. George, do you want to do you want to give us a quick review of that match before we preview the upcoming grand final against Adelaide? Uh, and and B man, sure. you can chime in as as well. And, and uh, I'd encourage people to have a look at the uh, great write-up uh, on the match by Dees in October, who's been contributing to the AFLW um, reports on, on Demon Land. Um, it was quite concise, not concise, it was quite extensive and a really good analysis of what went on. Uh, first first thing that, that impressed me was we had a crowd of 6,400 there, um, which compared very favourably with the 4,000 people who turned up for the Suns GWS game. Um, I think the AFL need to be really concerned about the uh, amount of money that they're throwing at these two sides when after quite a number of years for both of them, they can only manage 4,000 people to come and watch. Uh, real concerns. Anyhow, back to the AFL, AFLW. Uh, yeah, great, great game. Um Real nail-biting in the end. And believe me, Brisbane were a better side. Mm. Uh, but our system has held up much better than, uh, than than theirs. We changed a number of things in the way that we played from what we've been playing in previous games and indeed during the whole season, which um, were to our, our advantage in the end. Um, it was a, a, a brutal game, as it was des- uh, described. It was very physical. Um, one of the things that, that I did notice that it, I personally have been asking for um, for a long time is moving Daisy up the ground. In a lot of the earlier games, she was sitting in the goal square doing very little and was you know, moved into defence when 
things were getting desperate. Um, in this game, she moved a long way up the ground. Um, she was at, at the half-back line and even in the middle at times, not not for, for the ball-ups, but um, just using her superior capabilities around the ground, which we haven't been using um, to full advantage, I think, previously. And she was able to get the ball on a number of occasions that others weren't um, uh, and, and, and that we haven't. Um, uh, similarly, uh, Taylor Harris, who's been fantastic um, during the whole season, was starved of opportunities, firstly because um, of the conditions. It was wet, it was slippery, almost a constant drizzle during the game. Uh, she depends on getting the ball in high and um, using her superior marking ability. Well, that just never happened during the game. You would have seen that Elisa Bannon got uh, three goals, basically by uh, kicking through the pack in one case, but um, running in the open because the ball was kicked into the open. So that was the... Um, other important change that I think we saw in this game, we've stopped doing these silly round a, ring around a rosy handball type of games to keep possession. We kick the ball long. And when it goes over the back to someone like Elisa Banner with her speed, you get goals. Um, Karen Paxman was fantastic. If you look at who started the chain um, for Elisa's goals, it was Karen Paxman, uh, gets it forward. It's different from the men's game, and people have to understand this. If someone kicks the ball forward uh, into a pack in the men's game, that's likely it's going to be marked or picked off by the opposition. It doesn't happen in the girls' games. There's very few players can mark overhead. Taylor Harris is the extraordinary exception. The result is the ball comes to the ground, and it's a contested situation again. So you can force the ball forward, but you've got to start by kicking the ball forward in the first place. You were reminded of all these people who sit in the in the ground and in years gone by saying just kick it, just kick it, uh, in the men's game. But in the women's game, it's it's more um, needed than what it is in the men's game. The men's is all about possession and territory these days. You've got to get down the ground. So we've cha- we changed the way that we played, which was great, and it worked. It worked against the superior side. Lauren Pierce in the in the middle was just fantastic, absolutely fantastic in the ruck. She is a huge positive us and snap, getting it out of uh, uh, snatching it out of a, a, a ball up in the forward pocket to score that goal uh, on her behalf was critical at the time. Eden Zanker unfortunately is still carrying that quad injury. She she's still hobbling in a big way, um, and uh, she's our backup ruck and she just wasn't able to get off the ground. And even after the game, she was really uh, struggling to to move. So hopefully, uh, she'll be a little bit better next week. Um, problem we've got we'll do are we going to talk about next week uh, a little bit andy sorry there i have myself on mute uh yeah yeah we will uh talk yeah. about we'll do yeah. a, 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 a look i, th- I think it's going to be a great game next week the the, the problem is adelaide as as has been noted before they are the state the uh, south australia state side they've got the best of all the girls in south australia um victoria's split between what is it eight teams at the moment or nine teams so the talent's a lot more thinly spread we've got a good range of talent and that's why we're in the grand final but boy is it a big ass coming up against adelaide they're players like chelsea randall randall and um uh hatchard and phillips and antonio and uh, Marinoff are all big, solid, reliable players. Um, I don't know that we can match them in the same way physically, but we've got to be able to tactically out outdo them. Um, we we 
lost to them earlier in the year. Um, uh, but So we've seen the best of them. We know what we're up against, which is good. And the other fortunate thing is we've got a full range of players to choose from effectively. So um, it'll be a cracker of a game. Um, like the men, kicking goals will be critical to this. If they get those first goals, um, either side gets a, a bit of a lead. It's almost impossible to drag it back because of the the low scores that inevitably happen in, in the women's side. So we'll keep the fingers crossed. We'd like to see uh, two premierships in, in the space of uh, uh, eight months or thereabouts. Um, that'll be fantastic. And we can always hope for three premierships inside 12 three months. Three in a calendar, two in a calendar year. <laughs> yep. I, I reckon our... our path to victory um, next week. You know, I've got a bit of a slightly t- different take, George. I thought you were right the way we played for territory. I really liked it. Um, I, w- I went to the game and it was fantastic. It was just great to be at the G and, and see the women, particularly after they won, come to the, you know, spend really meaningful time on the ground and engage with the fans. And you could see a number of the players had friends and family there. It was just a terrific energy afterwards um, and so meaningful for um, only Daisy had played and Daisy and Taylor had played on the MCG at all um, in that whole game of the 44 players that played, I think, or at least from the Melbourne side. Um you know, I think that we did really cleverly in terms of adapting um, our game and getting distance. And um, one of them, I think, was McNamara. There. The goal that um, yeah. Bannon kicked was McNamara was clever enough to kick it off the ground. And you know, the speed of, you know, the comparative speed of Bannon compared to anyone else on that field was amazing. And she, she's got something about, I just love watching her play footy, but she's clever. Totally uh, agree on Pierce. I think she was our best player, and I'd say she's been our best player all season, just about. But I think our path to victory on Saturday is to go back to what we do: is to to look for those overlap handballs, to run, to hit our targets, to go through the corridor. When we're on, we're really aggressive with our ball movement. We look to spread. We couldn't do that. I thought Brisbane were terrific in the clinches, but it wasn't the day for it. It was just it was unfortunate because the rain as you said, was consistent all the way through, just enough to put water on the surface but not look like it was raining if you were watching on telly. Mm. Um, so I think if we if we try to just play a territory kick at long game physical against Adelaide, they'll smash us. They're too strong. Um, so I think we've got to play to our strength in what they've been training and get it on the outside and, and be aggressive with our ball movement and get one-on-one um, to Taylor Harris. And if the conditions are good, I think we've got a good chance of getting it. We've got to get it looking. The game has to look like that for us to win, I think. The other one just I wanted to – so Bannon was terrific. McNamara was terrific. As you say, Paxman was terrific. Um, but a couple of defenders that I just completely love is Goldie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Shelley Heath. And your point about the low scores is interesting. I said at the game, it's a bit like soccer, how some acts have outsized importance in terms of their ultimate impact on the game. Um, and I, I can't recall, I think it was just on on the shadow of three-quarter time, or maybe it was a half-time, I can't recall. Shelley Heath, it looked all the world like they were going to score, and she did an incredible effort to, to scrap with two players and somehow force a, either a point or a throw-in down at the um, um, city end. Um, and it was completely just gut gut running to get to the contest, just refused to give up, um, you know, refused to concede a goal um, and it was the sort of thing that changes matches, uh, saves matches. So I, I just think she's fantastic to watch um, and it was great that she got made the All-Australian team So yeah. uh, and Gabby, Goldie too. Yeah, Gabby Colvin did a similar sort of save right in the goal square as well 
Um, again, bo- both of those were certain goals coming, but but and and like you, I just love Goldrick. Just yeah. just fantastic. So, someone described her her performance as kamikaze. Yeah. It's exactly that. When she, she sees, sees the ball in front of her, she yeah. is going to get it. I, I would hate to be an opposition player seeing her coming at the ball because you know she is going to go absolutely straight through the middle of straight it. Straight line. It's, um, yeah, so I know she's, she's um, Irish and Sean White was Scottish, but yeah. she reminds me so much of the way he played footy. You know, yeah. Straight line running and you know yeah. a little bit all elbows and... Yeah, <laughs> moving yeah. parts, but and, you know, it just knows one way of playing footy, and yeah. just really thrilling to watch. Unfortunately, sometimes she forgets that the opposition can tackle you. Yeah, we'll give her away a couple of those because yeah, yeah her physical strength and, and attack at the contest in the back line was just critical, absolutely yeah. critical. And the other thing, just quickly, that they've got to do next week is they've just got to deny um, Phillips the ball. I mean, yeah. she's. I think the best player in the, that I've seen play AFL. Yeah. I mean, Daisy probably is. Daisy had you know picked up the ball and half volley just in front of where I was sitting, and she's such good skill. But Erin um, Phillips is just both an incredible athlete. I think mean, Daisy too, but I mean they're both stars. But you can't give her a sniff. She'll take if she gets six chances, she'll kick five goals, and so yeah, they've got yeah. to find a way to. to and, and, it. and in the middle, Marin offset. Um, is a real danger as well. But I think another one for us who goes under the radar a lot is Liv Purcell in the middle, who's mm. uh, been great she is fan, She is fantastic and she does yeah. a power of work in the middle yeah. uh, that people just don't see. Um, under and Westy, maybe Westy will get a tagging job. Yeah, yeah. If Westy could kick, she would be one of yeah. the greatest pickups. <laughs> but she's, yeah. she's one, of, one of the worst kicks <laughs> that yeah. you can imagine. I'd, she can't kick either foot, so it doesn't really matter. So, yeah. But, yeah, she has, for someone who came from the VFL, um, she has slotted right in and so much talent there. She is an absolute extractor of the ball. So yeah. Great to have her in there. Well, the forecast for both uh, the men's on Thursday night and the women's on Saturday is perfect. It's uh, t- t- uh, Thursday, the day's 23, but uh, should be clear in 18, uh, sort of as we play, 19, 18 degrees when we play, perfect conditions. Uh, but the women's is, is sunny and it might be a little too hot because it's 27, forecast of 27 degrees, but that might be a little bit later because uh, I think we're playing at 12. Is that 12, 30, it's a, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's about uh, 24 degrees yeah. at that time. Uh, so maybe perfect conditions, yeah. And, but it'll be yeah. heating up as the game uh, wears on. Um, all right, well, let's hope we are celebrating a, a premiership uh, next week. Um, well, there is a massive week coming up on Demon Land. Uh, Wednesday night, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be interviewing uh, former Demon, current Premiership assistant coach Adam Uze. And I cannot wait for this. So many questions about not only his current position at the club, uh, but he, he also is one of my personal favourite all-time Demon players. Um, we'll release the interview on Wednesday night. Um, and we'll be back next week, hopefully celebrating another Demon Premiership and a 4-0 and zero start to the 2022 season. Go Demons. Go Red Legs.
got this beat.